Hey, welcome to Table Talk, everybody. This is your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm here with Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. Gentlemen, good to be with you. Yeah, good to be here. Guten Morgen. Oh, or guten Abend, depending tag, on yeah. when you listen to I this. Heute nicht wahr. Whatever that means. Nice weather we're having. I think that means the dog's on fire in the bathroom. <laughs> it might be, might be. You know, I, I found out that Adam Moline's uh, GoFundMe page has just... Uh, gone really uh, crazy and now i he put an order in for of all things this is what i've been told he put an order in for the new hummer ev yeah if you if you look those up and you know what those things cost you know that he's doing biden work here this is this is this is serious biden cash here i'll tell you that (laughs) it's my connections to ukraine just just wait till the video comes out he (laughs) took his laptop in to get service last week (laughs) there's nothing there's nothing like doing biden deals and so no doubt this gofundme page is very similar so good luck with that uh, hummer ev i'm jealous when it, when it, when it ri- walks like a crab, holy smokes, that's amazing. The uh, the worst part about Pastor Moline is uh, he tries to smoke Pepsi, and uh, doesn't have the same effect. Sorry, I'm a Dr Pepper go, man. He doesn't go full blown Biden. Then that's uh, what you're saying. No, okay, no, right, he's right. he's a weak imitation. I heard that you changed the name of one of your children from Hunter to something else after all this. But in any event, look, brothers and sisters, we've been talking about uh, the fifth chief part of the small catechism. <laughs> And, of course, uh, Luther asked the question, what is confession? And we, we observed last time that uh, in the small catechism, um, when it asked the question about what is confession, it says it has two parts. And the first part's confession. The second is absolution. And you receive it from the pastor. It's from God himself. And you're not supposed to doubt that. You know, when the pastor says, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit in Christ's stead and by his command, of course. Because a pastor only has authority from the one who gives it to him, and that's Christ. And the pastor forgives the sins. We are to consider that as being done by God himself in heaven. And so the absolution is the ringing voice of God from heaven, or as I talked about the Latin. Learn this Latin, folks. Viva vox Christi, the living voice of Christ. That's the absolution. But we also talked about uh, there are three spheres or three ways that you can confess before God. And I'm going to go back to the first sphere today, and I want to give a biblical narrative to prove this point. Because last week I said that the two, two first things that are mandated by the Bible are you confess your sins to God anytime, anywhere, anyplace, and then confess sins to one another. And maybe somebody was saying, well, Kuhlman said this is mandated in Scripture. God requires this. Where is this in the Scripture? So I thought about this uh, in preparing for this program. And so if you've got your Bibles, folks, go to Daniel chapter 9 in the Old Testament. And the context here, of course, is Israel is in exile. She's been conquered by the uh, Babylonians, and uh, eventually the Babylonians are conquered by the, uh, by the Persians. And Daniel, of course, here does something that we, sh- we should all do, and that's confess our sins, and not just our own sins, but the sins maybe of our country, maybe our family, etc. I think this is a very, very important lesson to learn here in Daniel 9. Check this out. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, a descendant of, um, uh, by descent, a Mede, made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. This is the exile. And so verse 3, then Daniel says, I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer, 
and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Just a side note. So, Adam, what's, what's the deal with the sackcloth and the ashes and fasting? What's that all about? Well, it would be an outer uh, visible uh, sign that you were in confession or mourning or weeping. Uh, in this case, he's weeping over sin, but it would be commonly done as well if you lost a family member or loved one. Uh, you dress in sackcloth and ashes to show people that you were mourning something. And the Ninevites did this too, didn't they, when Jonah came and preached? Isn't that did. amazing? <laughs> Same thing. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a visible sign, if you will, mm-hmm. for lack of better terminology, of what comes from the heart, correct? Right. Repentance. And it's uh, the, the lone remnant of that that we have in most of our society today would be Ash Wednesday, okay. the imposition of ashes uh, that is still practiced in, in many churches this day. P- perhaps even wearing black to a funeral. Correct. Yep. Or uh, a family member wearing black after the death of a loved one for a week or a month or something like that. We, you still see that. So you've got Daniel. He's fasting. He's got sackcloth on, and he's covered himself with ashes. What a sight he must be, huh? I mean, my goodness. In any event, verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and made <clears throat> confession, which means he's going to tell the truth. <laughs> See, when you, when you make confession, you'd better tell the truth. And, of course, Daniel's going to tell the truth because he's learned it from the Word of God. He's not making this step on his own. And so he yeah, says, yeah, I, guess, I mean, that's what confession means is to say the same thing. And yeah. that's, he's saying the same thing as God then. When he examines God's law, he can speak truly about himself and make a true confession. Yeah, that, that's, this is a very important point, and I hope it's helpful for people. Is I, I think I said it the last time we, we talked. Is Jesus says in John's gospel that when he sends the Holy Spirit, he will convict. He will convict people of their sin. And uh, so when people are convicted of their sin through the word of God, namely the law, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Most people don't realize this, but it is. And, the, and this is why a uh, forced or coerced confession is worthless. You know, you watch every uh, CSI, law and order kind of program that's out there on cable TV. They're everywhere. And the confessions oftentimes are not the truth. The confessions are little bits and pieces of the truth. And this is, this is what the old Adam wants to do, wants to hold on to that sin and not confess it and not let it go. You know that with your kids. Um, one of your kids uh, does something bad to the other sibling. And uh, you say, okay, now say you're sorry and say it like you mean it. Uh, we try to force confession. We try to coerce confession. And the only confession that is true confession is the one that has been elicited from us as we are convicted and convinced by the word of God. Yeah, extranosely outside of ourselves. This reminds me of Acts 2 when Peter preaches his Pentecost sermon. And uh, it's the text says that the people were cut to the heart. And that's precisely what Daniel's got going on right here. So he, he, he makes confession. And he says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Sounds like ex- Exodus 20 there, doesn't it? Yes. We have sinned. Notice he, he says, we have sinned. So he's, he's making a confession for his entire people here. Uh, so to a certain extent now here, he's, he's a foretaste of someone who is to come. 
<laughs> isn't he? Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. But we have sinned and we've done wrong. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. We've turned aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of land. Verse 4, or verse 7 now. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel those who are near and those who are far away in all the lands to which you've driven them because of the treachery that they've committed against you. He's going to say more about this treachery, what it is. Let's go on. Verse 8, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame. By the way, this shame talk. Now, this is the second time we've heard it from Daniel in this confession. And of course, Daniel, back to, back to the point of the small catechism, uh, making confession before the pastor, of course, but we're talking about two other ways before God, anywhere, anytime, place. And he brings up this topic of shame. I want to talk about this briefly. Uh, it's better to be shamed now in this life than to be shamed when? On the last day, standing before God yes. face to face. Yes, yes. All that, eternity. That's, that's right. And, you know, I, it strikes me that it's not just shame. Open shame. Yes. Twice yes. now. Open shame. And what, what, what's going on with the open shame? Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, the one thing that we we do... Even, our even s- the unbelievers would see it. Even that's what he's... He's acknowledging this. The, the one thing we, we see in our society is not, not only a lack of shame, but you do everything humanly possible to cover that shame. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a mark of the times we live in. And then, of course, there's the opposite, this shame culture where... You know, if you don't fit a certain political point of view or certain lifestyle, you're shamed. Yeah, but you're shaming someone else. Yes. You're, yeah. it's, it's That's not a whole a different ballgame, isn't it? it? Isn't yeah. it interesting in that aspect that for that sort of uh, public shaming that takes place today, there is no absolution. There is no forgiveness. If you screwed up once a long time ago and they find the picture, you're shamed for the rest of your life and you might as well just be done. And that's why, that's why you're called an irredeemable. That's, and that's because... The God of the people who are doing the open shaming is not the same God of Daniel that he talked about in verse 4. Mercy. The yeah. God who is an awesome God who keeps covenant and a God of steadfast love. Uh, that's not the God of the people who are doing this shaming today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's keep going here in Daniel 9. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. This is verse 8. To our kings, etc., because we have sinned against you. So in other words, I'm, we're reading this again. If you're, if you're picking up what I'm throwing down, there are three ways that you can confess to the Lord and, and expecting him to forgive you for Christ's sake. And Daniel's doing this. He's doing this not before a pastor. Got it? He's doing this on his own. And we all do that, like in the Luther's evening prayer, forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. Or when you pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Notice it's the uh, plural there too. So to, to the Lord our God belong mercy, forgiveness, for we've rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses the servant of God have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Daniel knows what Moses wrote 
what the Lord told Moses in the uh, Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. You know, you don't trust me, you don't trust me, and you'll be vomited out of the land. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's key here, just uh, to fly in the face of a lot of uh, modern theologians. Daniel is looking back to the uh, Pentateuch meeting. It already had been written and, and put together, and so it's not like he's writing it, as you hear sometimes. He looks back, he believes it's true, and not only that, he believes in the person that it promises will come, which is the one who will forgive the sins that he's confessing. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for saying that. I want to piggyback on your first point you made. Again, you have, you have scholars, in, in New Testament scholars in the church that will say that Moses didn't write the first five books of the Old Testament. Daniel disagrees. Right. <laughs> in other words, it's already been written, and Daniel knows, or he knows this. Moses wrote this. Right. <laughs> Jesus the same way. Jesus, of course, refers to Moses as writing them as well. So that's a very important point. Back to Daniel 9 here. So he has, this is verse 12, we, he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. This is interesting here. This side note, as we come to cl- a conclusion here at this first segment, is this uh, Jerusalem was uh, destroyed by the Babylonians. And, it's, and it gets rebuilt, of course, when Israel returns under Ezra's, or no, not Ezra, but uh, who's the Persian king? Cyrus. Cyrus, Cyrus the Great. Yeah. Yep. Well, then Jesus talks about this later. But I hear the music. We'll come back. <laughs> 